and welcome back. It's Kate from Zen Stitching and I'm joining you live again today to have another chat with one of our artists as part of the Making Zen online retreat. This afternoon we have the uh, pleasure of chatting with Kasia from uh, Sydney, Australia and she is a fabulous textile artist. Let me see if I can connect with her. Here we go. in a minute from the other side of the world. So are you all looking forward to the Making Zen online retreat? And she oh, is. Oh my Hello. goodness. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kate. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm very good with a needle and thread. <laughs> I'm terrible with technology. And Kate, you must have been so frustrated with me this morning. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> But perhaps with the technology so i'm pleased that we can figure it all out and we can connect from other sides of the world which is finally <laughs> we did it yeah. yes. thank you <laughs> that's right not to mention it's super early for you as well so i'm really appreciative of your time and waking up early for you to to be with us here thank you thank with you us for today. having me it's all fine i'm a very early riser so 6 a.m is is not an issue not an issue for me at all <laughs> well, I'm very appreciative of that, and I and I admire you for rising early. It's um something that I really enjoy doing too. But sometimes it doesn't always happen that way. So, it's um it's it's definitely something yes. I admire. So, talking about other things I admire, I absolutely adore your embroidery work, and I'm super thrilled that you're part of the Making Zen online retreat to share some of your Thank goodness you. with us do you oh you're most welcome do you happen to have your sample to hand so that people can see what you may be teaching teaching us or an example of what you um, may be teaching us if you don't I have do your sample have my to hand. sample here let me just go around my messy studio and i will reach out for it <laughs> Oh, I tell you what, everybody likes well, seeing the inside the of the studio. So um, thank at you the for moment, the it looks like this. You. So I am truly uh, in the middle of a normal work day. <laughs> um, Fabulous. All right, now, I've only got one hand, <laughs> but um, let's have a look. There we go. Look at that. So, so stunning. This is, this is a, a very... It's a very simple pattern, but what it allows people to do is apply five of my fundamental stitches that I use again and again. Because one of the things that I found with embroidery is it can be quite overwhelming. Like when you look at some of some beautiful uh, complex embroidery pieces, you could look at it and go, holy smoke, I could never do that because there is just so much going on there. But um, there are some fundamental stitches that you could apply and if you wanted to you could literally just use those five stitches because they can fill objects outline objects and highlight objects and this is one of the things that uh, that i've put into uh, this particular pattern it's very quick to do and it gives uh, really satisfying quick results as well so that that's what's in the video wonderful thank you and Thank you for that um, sneak peek because it is just super awesome and I, mm -hmm. I can't wait to give it a try myself. 
when you say it only takes well it, it's quite quick to do mm. how long is mm. quite quick uh, to do of course it depends you know everybody stitches at, at different uh speeds <laughs> i'm quite a i'm quite a fast stitcher so for me a pattern like this of this size would probably take me a couple of hours to do um let's mm. let's double that mm. let's okay. just be really uh, overly generous with time and let's double that. Let's say someone else is going to take them four hours to do this. But often when people ask me, how long does something take? Uh, you know, I can give you three hours, six hours, nine hours. Uh, I worked on a quilt that took 110 hours. But the thing, the thing that's really important is that that time isn't like uh, time that's passing by and you're supposed to be doing something else. It's very soothing. It's very relaxing it's it's a lovely activity and uh and often i say uh you're gonna get to enjoy this for five hours of your time or enjoy this for eight hours of your time mm. but it always depends everybody everybody's yes. quite different or, in the way that they stitch yeah absolutely and I, I love how you say let's just double that because i was saying earlier today that a good rule of thumb is any time anything that i or any time I think something's going to take yeah. me a particular length of time, same. I grossly underestimate yeah. it, and I should at least same, double same. it. I think we poor, get. So. I think when we're creative, <laughs> we get quite excited, and and we think we could accomplish something by the afternoon. And I've caught myself many times uh, on things like that when I've I've realised that it's taken me twice as long as what I originally thought. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, with this kind of making, it's not really yeah. about clocking the time or yeah. racing to the end. It, it really is about sitting down yeah. and enjoying the process, enjoying what you're making, um, enjoying the environment that you're in at that time as well. Not to mention the enjoyment continues too. So you'll finish the, the project. You also show us in your um, workshop a number of different ways that you can then continue yes. to enjoy your project too. So you don't just have to finish it and then put it away, which... Yeah, that's a... Yeah. 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 Would you like to talk I'd about love it? to. That's a really big focus of all of my work, all of my teaching, all of my patterns, the workshops that I run. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that I've always felt was really important in embroidery for me isn't just about laying down the stitches yes it's a very relaxing and soothing activity but i want it to be part of my life i want to wear it <laughs> there you go oh beautiful look at that wow. i want to wear it i want to use Stunning. it i want bags quilts cushions wall hangings like up there um I want that I want to be surrounded by all of that because it's it's how I grew up in a, a small Polish village. There were so many things around me that were handmade and hand decorated and hand painted and hand embroidered, particularly the uh, the table linens, which were a pride of a woman's home. And I find that uh, embroidery is a wonderful medium for embellishing fabric in our home, whether you do it to uh, curtains or clothes or bed linens or table linens. It's a beautiful way to actually live with that instead of finishing an embroidery project on the hoop and either leaving it on the hoop because how many hoops can we hang on the wall or it ending up in a, in a pile of really beautiful things that are quite useless. 
<laughs> they just kind of they just kind of sit there and look really pretty but they don't they don't really do anything so that's why i've always encouraged people you've finished your embroidery now the next step is make something out of it turn it into a simple bag there are so many tutorials online and a lot of people who stitch or knit or quilt they already know how to sew and i think i, I think that encouragement mm. and uh letting people know that the embroidery is not the end part of it the end part is you enjoying it and sitting on it or showing it off or putting it on your table or wearing it as a bag that's the fun part and i find that you know one day i have a i have this dream of having of having a room that's just completely filled maybe even a house that's completely filled with beautiful handmade things lots and lots of hand embroidery and hand painted things yeah Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. And um, a couple of things spring to mind when you say that. There's a wonderful folk artist in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada, who lived in a tiny, tiny, tiny little fishing shack, like a one-bedroom shack. This would have been maybe the first part of mm. this century, last century. And um, she painted for a living. And not only did she paint her, so she she painted cards to make money. Um, she And so she ended up, because she just loved painting so much, and she had rheumatoid arthritis. So I think it also assisted to help her just kind of uh, yeah. maintain a positive mental health and kind of work through pain associated. Um, and so she would paint her the walls of her house, the door of her house. Um, and it's now being wow. recognized as a national treasure and this tiny little house is now in the um the wow. art gallery of nova scotia yes. so yes, i'd love you some to pictures love so to you can see, see yes, um, absolutely i would love to see yeah 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 and so i don't think she quite got to embroidery on linens but i think that could have been the next step had she have had yeah, more yeah, time and inclination yeah. well it's the sort of it's what I remember uh, from my childhood. Um, interestingly, I find that now a lot of the skills that women had, like knitting, crochet, embroidery, hand sewing, etc., uh, they're, they're now hobbies. Whereas back then, when I was growing up in the 70s, those skills were not necessarily hobbies. Where women weren't embroidering for the fun of it. They were embroidering their table linens because there was an expectation that their home would look beautiful and well taken care of. And the decorations around a lot of these homes were mm. also for that purpose. And, and I, I remember, I mean, Eastern Europe, I'm sure a lot of people uh, can visualize old villages in Eastern Europe with, uh, you know, hand-painted walls and hand-painted doors, exactly the kind of thing that, that you're talking about. And I have those memories in my mind that everything just seems so magical mm. and genuine and 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 that those skills mm. that I was picking up from the women in my life, aunties and, and grandmothers, uh, like I said, they weren't they weren't hobbies the way that they are today. They were just regular everyday life skills. Women had to knew how to sew and how to knit, uh, so that we could wear clothes and wear jumpers and have and have lovely things mm. in the home. Mm. I, and I just love that too. And um, I was reading about on your your website, on your blog, you're talking about how your great, great grandmother had a beautiful cupboard of linens that yeah. were all 
hand embroidered. I, Would you like to share a little bit I more about that? Because that just sounds that magical. story. Obviously, I, I never knew my great great grandmother, but the story was told to me by one of my uh, oldest aunts. <coughs> and um, apparently, this great great grandmother, her name was Maria, she was a very accomplished embroiderer, and she hand embroidered her bed linens. Can you imagine sleeping on hand embroidered bed linens, pillowcases? bed sheets, quilt covers, and she only embroidered in two colours, in yellow and pink, because those were her two favourite colours. Now, her linen cupboard, she was known for um, being a very good housekeeper, so her house was supremely well organised. That in itself inspires me. <laughs> that in itself makes me think of, my goodness, I wish I could be a supreme <laughs> housekeeper where everything is just always tip-top, beautifully organised. But her linen cupboard was what my aunt told me about, that she had uh, all of her linens, so the ones that were embroidered in pink, uh, were all together on one shelf, and the ones that were embroidered in yellow were um, together on one shelf. And so everything was, was sort of categorised. You had your pillowcases here, and your uh, uh, bed sheets here, and your quilt covers there. But every shelf uh, was finished off with handmade lace that had that was in the matching colour of oh, wow. those embroideries. So if you had on the top shelf your hand embroidered pillowcases in pink, that shelf was finished off with a little edge of pink handmade lace. I mean, you know, when I think about opening a, a linen cupboard like that, imagine what the rest of the house must have looked like <laughs> if that was if that was her linen cupboard. And what I love about that uh that yeah, go on. I know. Oh, I was just gonna say the attention to detail and um, you know making everything not only functional but also aesthetically pleasing which i think is something that i aspire to in my life yeah seriously aspire yeah. to a I long think way what, to go what i what i love most about that story is that uh it's a real representation of just how much items were looked after and taken care of you know to to, to have a just a linen cupboard in your house it's only a linen cupboard it's nothing you know nothing else to have it to that degree of care meant that it was not a throwaway mm. society the way that we live in now. You know, a lot of the bed sheets and towels and, and whatnot that we have in our homes get regurgitated, not regurgitated, but we throw stuff out, we buy new stuff. But to have a cupboard like that really brings home just how every item that people owned back in those days was really carefully looked after and cherished i mean to decorate a pillowcase takes a very long time mm -hmm. you're not going to you're not going to be replacing it in a year or two years time you'll be looking after it and repairing it and and hand washing it probably too yeah and and that's a really good point too a couple of things there that you raise um i've just recently come back from a trip to france and whilst i was there i was very fortunate to find some vintage french mm -hmm. linen bed sheets and just looking at the quality of those i can see one of the reasons why that kind of material yeah. would have been cherished by of that era because it it's still yep. incredibly sturdy incredibly thick i'm yet to use it but i'm sure it will be yeah. absolutely delightful to use so I, I can see why in you know that's one of the reasons why these things are so treasured because mm. they would have been incredibly mm. expensive mm. to purchase uh labor yeah. intensive as well and then like you say 
um, you know, embroidering anything takes time, but it also infuses every yeah. object with a little bit of us. And I think every time we do that, it becomes more and more personal and more difficult to kind of yeah. let it yeah, go, yeah. go easily. I've often thought, um, you know, remembering mm. to, uh, we had this next door neighbor who lived a few doors down from my grandparents' house, tiny little village, tiny little house, um, uh, literally one room with a kitchen with a wood stove. And she had a lot of hand embroidered items and hand painted items. She was one of the last probably really traditional Polish uh, folk artists that, that lived locally. And I remember seeing hand painted wooden spoons in her house. She, she had a lot of hand painted things. But I often think uh, back now and, and think that anything that we decorate at home, whether it's a spoon or um, a tablecloth or a table runner or a cushion, in, in some way we're honouring that object. We're, making it, we're going to make it live a lot longer when it's started. It's not going to be thrown away in a couple of weeks' time. So anything that gets decorated or embellished, which is how embroidery, what embroidery does to fabric, and I see this in a lot of my students, a lot of my customers, Whenever they embroider something, oh, I'm not throwing this out. This is saying I've put seven hours worth of work mm. into this. I'll find a use for it. You know, it might not be something now, but I've decorated this thing and it's now special. It's not going to be discarded. It won't be thrown out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it, it does. It, it turns these things, um, I, I mm. think it does imbue them mm. with meaning Absolutely. and relevance. Yeah which which is so important and i was just thinking too the the way that uh the way you're describing how everything traditionally was um decorated or embellished i'm imagining it would have also brought yeah. a lot of cheer into the homes because they're generally bright colors yeah. and happy patterns so it's also a nice way of um yeah, bringing joy yeah. back into the I do room too. I, I have that memory that that's that is how I remember my childhood as being incredibly colorful there were a lot of religious festivities around Easter All Saints Day Christmas you know the wearing of um, traditional costumes processions down the street everything was incredibly colorful and beautifully decorated and that's how I do remember my childhood that's why a lot of my work now has reflects mm -hmm. that the reality of it wasn't wasn't like that at all i mean i was growing up in communist poland which was very poor very gray um i would have been surrounded by deeply unhappy people who were very frustrated that they couldn't get a lot of things but mm -hmm. what i what i interestingly what i did mm -hmm. take out of it and what i do remember most of my memories are about being surrounded by beautiful colorful things and festivals and christmas and maybe i must have blocked out <laughs> blocked out all the other stuff but that is yeah that is what i remember yeah yeah oh and i i think that makes uh perfect sense i think um i was thinking about my childhood and one of the things that i have fond memories of is my grandfather had a, a farm in rural New South Wales and so every school holidays wow. we'd go and hang out on this farm and it was just a magical place for a little kid to grow up um, and talking to um, people about it afterwards I have a very romanticized yeah. view of it when reality was yeah. farming is really hard sometimes mm -hmm. things were falling apart and falling down and you had to make do 
so you, you do kind of, um, I think you have a, a full perspective of things as a kid to, to see the beauty yeah. in things and remember the beauty yeah absolutely if well. only we could do that more of that as adults hey yeah. is to see the wonder and the beauty and the and the joy <laughs> in in life the way that we do as children yeah exactly that's right well that's a a really lovely sentiment actually i i think that's something that um i think maybe you do subconsciously through the work that you provide and the colors that you use and the images that you're um sharing with yeah, everyone I, as well i do i have to say i do feel that whenever i create something new there is a sense of magic um to it to the colors the patterns the flowers that sometimes i feel oh gosh i'm so repetitive i'm always doing flowers but i i can never i've been doing this for so many years and i've never gotten bored of a single a single pattern yet so i think that there is definitely that that combination of textures and colors and and shapes and those floral patterns yeah i think that'll stay with me forever yeah absolutely and you know it is it's it's joyful it's joyful mm. to look at it's joyful to do and it's sharing joy with others mm. when you're sharing both the product and the, the skills mm. to be able to do so too. So it's, um, and it's keeping a tradition alive too, which I think is it also is. quite important. It is, interestingly, um, what I've been finding in a lot of my workshops is that I'm getting uh, more and more over the last 10 years, I've noticed that there's been more of an influx of young women coming into my workshops who say things like, well, um, it skipped a generation in my family. My mother didn't embroider, but my grandmother did. So a lot of women are finding that they want to reconnect with something, but their mother wasn't able to teach them. Uh, their grandmother may have passed away now and they're coming to these workshops, whether, we're, whether it's embroidery with me or they're learning to knit and crochet. My daughter who's 19 um, is very, very skilled with, um, with the crochet hook. She has done a little bit of embroidery, but I'm finding there is a, a big interest coming from young people now to reconnect with handcrafts, um, generally handcrafts in, in all mm. kinds of forms. Mm. And I think that's wonderful. I, I think um, uh, the ability and just the benefits of being able to make something, they're so far reaching from, well, not to mention the beautiful things that you're creating, but the therapeutic benefits of yeah. being able to sit still and enjoy some peace um, and all the other things too. I yeah. know I'm preaching to the choir a lot of the time when I talk about this kind of stuff, but it's wonderful that people are reconnecting in that way because I do think it's so beneficial in in so many far-reaching areas mm. we don't even realise. I think there's, the I mean, it's quite obvious. That there's been a lot of research done on uh, handcrafts and how that connection of the what do they say the the mind the hands and the heart or something like that there's that cross connection that happens and how uh what positive benefits it has on our mental health but i also find i have communities here i've got a monthly mm -hmm. um a monthly two monthly groups that come into my house and we stitch together and these women have been here with me some of them for years and it's the idea of getting together and crafting together and it actually doesn't matter what you're making uh, you know, it's not like we're working on some spectacular projects. Everyone's got something small to do of their own, but it's that idea of we're coming together, we're hand making, and we're sharing that. We're sharing that craft, and we're we're building this community. I think uh, there was a lot of that in mm. the days gone by, and I do feel like mm. I don't want to 
say that it's just women that are craving it. I think people are craving that connection through whatever, whatever activity they enjoy doing together. Yeah. And that's true. I'm just, um, taking you you take me back to when mm. i teach in-person workshops as well and it's it's this really fascinating experience because when everyone's sitting and stitching yeah sometimes it's so quiet you can hear a needle yeah. drop or a pin drop uh, because everyone's so engrossed mm. in what they're uh, working on but there are also wonderful times too where mm. people start talking and sharing maybe Experience mm -hmm. or what they're thinking or what they're working on and it's just um, it's a wonderful way of connecting so you can be in a group and if you're shy or introverted you may not feel comfortable talking but if you've got this piece of uh, embroidery or whatever you're working on it gives you I don't know you, you can either be focused on working on it or it kind of gives mm. you the confidence to participate in the conversation because you're connecting um yeah. on a, yeah. a making absolutely. level i guess absolutely yeah yeah so i i can see why you're everyone yeah. getting together just love mm. it i mean it's such a, a lovely treat to be able to get together yes. and make with yes. like-minded people yeah yeah I, I think that's what it is and um i really love i was having a quick look at your website and i love the way you describe how you embroider with passion, but without fuss mm. or mm. perfection. And I think that's um, a really lovely way of approaching mm. creativity. Would you like to maybe share a little bit about how you yes. reached? Yes, absolutely. I find, first of all, I find that that need for perfection or getting things right in inverted commas stops a lot of people from being creative. They think that, uh, and especially in embroidery, they people find that there's a right way of doing something and that their work has to look incredibly neat. And of course, if you look at some, you know, masterful pieces that are done on silk from I don't know, a hundred years ago or from the Royal School of Needlework. Of course, those things look absolutely perfect. You could look at them under a microscope, but in all honesty, like if you have a look, I always tell people what's really important is to look at the whole piece when it's finished and when it's being used and worn and it's just the color and the texture and the joy. Like when you look at this dress, <laughs> sorry, it's a bit, a bit hard to, um, to get it. But if we were to look at all this embroidery up close, there are a lot of, pulled little threads and uneven stitches and satin stitch that doesn't have perfect edge edging and every time i bring out a lot of my pieces and i show people from far away oh they go oh it looks amazing it looks amazing but then when we look at it up close there's a lot of uh there are a lot of i don't even want to call them imperfections because what is that you know it's a piece of handmade work mm. it's supposed to look imperfect you're not a machine it's not it's not meant to look like a machine made it. And the thing that surprises people a lot of the time, like even with something like this, I'll show you this one up close. Okay. So if we look at those, um, if we look at those round blue circles, right, you can probably see, <clears throat> I don't know if that's focused, but they are not perfect round mm -hmm. circles. And I think people have a lot an expectation that circles like that are meant to actually look like circles. And I always say, no, they serve a purpose. They're meant to be blue and they're meant to be blobs. <laughs> right. 
and it's meant to look like a flower somewhere out there it's meant to look like a leaf and this shape is meant to be filled and it's meant to be green that's its purpose and it's meant to embellish your dress or your cushion that's its purpose its purpose is not to have perfectly straight edges because if we keep worrying about that and striving for that uh, you won't finish your work. You'll get bored with it. You're going to, or you'll get frustrated with it and you'll leave it alone. A lot of people wonder, well, I've got so many unfinished projects. Don't, you, you don't have to strive for perfection. It makes you finish your work and then makes you move on to the next yeah. one. And that's the joy in it, isn't it? When we finish our projects, not, not because they're perfect. Exactly. When we finish, that's when we're happy. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, yes, that's so true. And I think we also need to remember too that um, we are yeah. always our worst critics. And when some, if you look at most things, exactly, never are they perfect circles yeah. or yeah. perfect lines. Yeah. Like there's always a bit of a wibble yeah. wobble, or they're always a little bit uneven. And um, I think sometimes just recognizing that it's okay to let go and you always see everything in the big exactly. picture you don't your yes. eye doesn't you know you know yes. zoom in on those things so i think sometimes remembering that you might be aware of those things exactly but nobody right. else is going to see those things and that's what's going to make you happy not not whether you have perfect circles or not yeah exactly Exactly. And um, just thinking about the um, example that you showed mm -hmm. us, which is going to be what you teach at the Making Zen Retreat next week. I also know you have some beautiful bonuses that you've yes. provided for the VIP pass. Yes. Would you like to share uh, what they this are? This one particular bonus. So there's, there's two. And one is, um, one is a lifesaver. <laughs> I like to call it a lifesaver because I have met so many people who embroider and one of the biggest things that they struggle with is uh, selecting colors for their embroidery. And I get it. It can be extremely overwhelming because the, the, the uh, number of thread colors from DMC brand alone is around 300. So mm -hmm. it, you'd be hard pressed to stand mm -hmm. in front of that wall of embroidery skeins and easily select uh, colors for your embroidery it can be overwhelming and and very difficult now i've worked out a method <laughs> and it's actually a step one step two step three all right and i've put that together into a book that explains how to stop that overwhelm and and how to select the colors for your embroidery project and i think there's a comment that was already left on someone who's watched uh, the video and they said that 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 particular book uh, was a lifesaver for them because it is overwhelming. I get it. Um, and I've seen mm. how women choose mm. colors, how people choose colors for their embroidery projects. And it's nuts. They end up with 30, 40 different colors and then they get lost. And I've really pared that down. So there is a book. One of the bonuses is called <laughs> the color theory book. And it takes you through the process. And the other bonus is, uh, a PDF pattern with full instructions, photos, and it's called Olga. And it's actually named after my great grandmother, who was the mother of the woman that we talked about. Um, sorry, the daughter of the, the woman that we talked about earlier, because all of my embroidery patterns are named after people in my life. So they're my grandmothers, they're my aunts, they're um, my daughter, my son Stanley has a pattern named after him. Um, so all the names that you will see, uh, it's someone, it's someone that exists and, and is meaningful to me in my life. 
Oh, delightful. Now, is uh, there a, a Tasha what, sorry? as well? Ah, oh, so your name, Kasha? Yes and no. Uh, there is a pattern called Kasha, but it's not named after me. My mother's youngest sister, who is exactly the same age as me, we're literally a couple of months apart. So my mother and my grandmother were pregnant at the same time. Both of us were born. Both of us were given the same name, Kasha. <laughs> oh, wow. And we, oh, we really oh, grew goodness. up like, uh, <laughs> like sisters or cousins. And I used to be called, uh, she used to be called Kasha from the village and I used to be called Kasha from the town because I lived at the time, I lived um, in, the, in the next town uh, from the village. <laughs> so that's how we were differentiated. But yes, there is a pattern <laughs> called Kasha. Um, it will be available as a PDF. It's actually a, a small handbag because my auntie is nuts about handbags. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's such a, a fabulous story. Well, I'm super thrilled um, to have a chance Thank to you. chat with you and, and me to hear a little you. bit more about your world, and creativity, and I'm super excited to see how many people are going to be inspired from watching your you. workshops next week. Um, before we wrap up, is there any parting comments or advice that you'd uh, like to share with honestly, everyone? The only things that I share with people who love embroidery or who want to get into embroidery or they're curious is just start, just keep going and finish. And when you have your finished project, you will see that you do not see the mistakes that you thought were terrible at the beginning. And I always say to people, don't unpick, don't unpick anything. You can always unpick at the end, but just keep going, finish your project. That's the biggest thing. Because that's when we get discouraged is when we don't finish our projects and we go, oh, I've got 17 unfinished projects. I can't start another one. Go and finish them. doesn't matter what they look like. Just fin finish your project. That, that, that's going to be, that's going to be what I want to be remembered by. Kasha is the one that told us, just go and finish your projects. <laughs> just finish it. Because that also gives you permission, gives you that feeling of, Oh, well, now I can go out and buy new craft materials because I've finished my projects, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we all want that, don't we? Of we always, always want to go and get more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it yeah. comes to beautiful yeah. embroidery threads yeah, and linens to play with. <gasps> so wonderful. Well, thank, thank you so much thanks. for your time. Thank it's you. so lovely to connect. And oh, we've got a beautiful comment that's coming from Free Spirit oh, Artemis. Free Spirit. Cashier is amazing. Wonderful Love patterns, colour choices and linens. Yep. Oh, thank Embroidery you. That's very sweet. That's very sweet. Thank you. Yes. yes. Super wonderful. Yes, absolutely. So if people haven't yet, sign up for yes. the Making Zen online retreat. Cashier, where can people do that? Can the people? People do that on your um, Instagram? For the, well, I'm about to change the link in my bio because the, the retreat is coming up next week. So I'm going to change the link in my bio so that you can go directly there um, and, um, yeah, and sign up and uh, do my uh, half an hour online workshop with the pattern, get yourselves the VIP bonuses. There's so much to be had. And plus, not to mention all the other incredible, incredible fiber artists that are there as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be so many wonderful things to to do. It's a fabulous gift for yes. yourself or yes. for someone for Christmas. And 
you can start thinking about all the wonderful projects you can make for Christmas presents too. So I really do yes. think it's a gift that 100%. keeps on giving. Thank you so much for your time, Kate. <laughs> You're most welcome. <laughs> welcome. Much love to you. And I look forward Thank to your you. workshop Take next care. week. <laughs> bye, everyone. Thank you for joining. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.